0: Texas football. It's the post game show inside Texas, brought to you by Flight, uh, next generation of light beer from the folks at uh, Yingling. Uh, appreciate you guys joining us. I've got I'm Bobby Burton, I've got Rod Babers, Drew Kelson, former Longhorns, alongside along with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. And on three, uh, we're going to talk a little Longhorn win over BYU. Uh, guys, it was not pretty. Um, Lake Murphy did turn the ball over twice put the ball in harm's way a couple other times. However, there are also some nice plays by the youngster uh, out of Gardena, Sarah. All in all, it's, a, you know, they covered the spread, which we we're like, how are they going to cover the spread? Well, BYU's offense really is that bad.
1: They're that bad. <laughs> it, I mean,
0: hey, hey, they're in, in, the, in the country, and they didn't look much more than I, – I definitely would have thought they're 123, I'll put it that way, or 121. That was a bad <laughs> performance on offense. Look, they're so
1: bad on offense. Texas averaged 2.9 yards on first down and 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 blew them out. <laughs> That's <laughs> a bad team. offensive team you're playing,
0: all right? <laughs> Roger, Roger, what you guys think?
2: Uh, th- today was one of those games. I don't know. I I I felt I heard Mac. The Mac Brown was in me today. You know, um, we won the game, man. <laughs> you know, let's celebrate that, right? It's, I mean, at the end of the day, we have a lot of guys who, who are, you know, kind of figure out injuries and, and kind of play through some things. Uh, any game you come out and win, you know, backup quarterback we're kind of getting some things cleared out. At the end of the day, we won the game. and But it felt like we knew we were going to win and we played it in a way to kind of work some things out. We played it with the confidence of knowing we were going to win no matter what, but also took some chances that, we probably shouldn't have taken <laughs> we didn't kick any field goals didn't even try to uh so we got a lot of work on our red zone uh, offense we just we didn't we didn't get much out of that but all in all we got to win and we, we gotta we gotta really focus and lock in and figure out what's going to work for us next week
0: yep the final was 35 to six Texas uh, scored two touchdowns late uh there were some uh, really good aspects of this game I thought Texas got some good pressure on BYU up the middle early uh, and Texas was able to get out to a 14-0 lead, uh, but Malik Murphy had a couple turnovers. All in all, uh, Texas now seven and one—the best record, best start to a season Texas has had since 2009. Mm-hmm. It's been that way. Now, however, we're going to see the rest of the schedule kick in. Kansas State next week, and I'm telling you, the the Wildcats and uh, K State put it on Houston today. They won 41 to nothing. And it, I don't know if it was that close,
3: actually. Yeah. I think it, it showed me once again mm-hmm. if Texas has an easy assignment at quarterback. That's I mean, it. a quarterback that, right, Jerry, you know, nothing against Keaton Slovis. He's started at multiple programs, but he's regressed statistically every year since he's been a starter. So he started a lot of games, but he hadn't necessarily gotten better <laughs> with all those starts. Um, and we've seen either from uh, Dylan Gabriel or Donovan Smith that, and, and even going back to Jalen Nero, he didn't have, you know, a lot of experience playing quarterback at a high level. He just had elite traits at quarterback, but he made some splash plays against Texas here scattered every now and then. But Dylan Gabriel and Donovan Smith really told, showed you that if you have a quarterback that can really is comfortable within their system and can be weaponized within that system, especially a guy that can move around a little bit, then that may be the key to really being able to support Texas. Keen Slovis and BYU cannot present that. Uh, so Texas they showed you what they can do to that type of quarterback in that type of system. We're talking about a run-based system, probably a balanced offense. Really, the past first systems have really hurt Texas uh, in this uh, you know, this season so far, not these types of balanced offenses. You know, BYU wants to be balanced. They don't want to get in a shootout, that type of game. And Texas really was able to pull away. That's why they looked, even though they made mistakes, they had turnovers. They weren't necessarily consistent. Red zone offense, red zone offense still is just perplexing how bad it is. But they still were able to blow them out because they it's a matchup thing, right? The matchups make fights, and this is a bad matchup for BYU. Just a terrible matchup for them, honestly. All right,
0: hey, guys, I want to say this. I want to recap the scoring uh, real quick. Uh Texas got on the board with a big Xavier Worthy uh kick, our punt return. That really energized uh, the, the crowd and I think got Texas going in the right direction. They needed something outside of the offense to generate some points. They got that from Xavier Worthy. Then Jonathan Brooks scored on a four-yard run uh, to put Texas up 14-0. BYU then, really with its best drive of the game, a very time-consuming cons- time drive in the late second quarter, uh, gets down, scores a field goal after a weird, I tell you what, the, the, the BYU coach did not handle that, that series very well. Uh, BYU was going to go for it on fourth and two at the goal line, but ends up kicking a field goal. Uh, then Malik Murphy comes back, throws one in the end zone to Adonai Mitchell. Uh, Texas goes up 21 to three at half. Texas scoreless in the third quarter. BYU picks up a field goal uh, that put the score at 21 six. Then Malik Murphy another uh, pass. This one to Adonai Mitchell uh, on a little bit of a like a skinny post or something. Glance route something uh, like that to uh, Adonai Mitchell for a 13 yard touchdown. And then Jaden Blue putting the icing on the top uh, with a run, uh, making the Longhorns go up. 35 to six and that was the final uh guys I I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself uh what was missing in this game I I never felt like Texas and Malik Murphy really settled in um and they weren't able to run the ball it was clear that that they were gonna make Malik pass do y- y- y'all have any thoughts on this I mean I am I just wrong I didn't feel Texas I'm I mean, the only the only put up 300 yards of total offense against the 94th ranked defense in the country, by the way,
2: we missed a quarter of offense. Yeah. Yeah. Here. So, I mean that, that drive in the second, what was the second quarter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they ate so much clock from us. So it just, we never felt like we got to see the offense. I mean, the drives that we did have, I mean, I have to go back and look at the drive chart, but it just never felt like we had a long drive sustained that we can run. We either, we we had a first down and we were out, or we just, uh, we we did what we needed to do. But I think that second quarter really sucked the life out of what we were wanting to see and get a sense of, uh, because then we kicked the ball off in the in the third quarter. So it just, we went for, we went for a pretty long lull. Now, one thing I can say is, We did come back when we did get the ball in the third quarter. We drove down and we actually got some points on the board. So, you know, we did what we had to do. But, yeah, I do think that lull uh, for us impacted a lot of how it felt.
0: Rod, yeah, I got to ask you and Jerry this as well. I mean, did y'all feel any kind of, like, connectivity on offense today? I mean, not only red zone, but third and short again – Texas looked poor, in my opinion. A couple different times coming up uh, light on that. I just don't know that they're getting much push on the offensive line. The Hayden-Connor-Jake Majors duo, by the way, neither one of them anchor very well. Right. And I really think that that's part of the issue when you're trying to run left side like they did today. I mean, Hayden-Connor got blown up on that fourth and goal. What are y'all's thoughts on on Texas offense overall, Rod and Jerry?
1: Well, I thought I thought until it got to the red zone, okay. You had a punt return for a touchdown. You had a first year, first time starting quarterback. Um, so I thought until you got to the red zone, okay. I want Rod's opinion on this because we've talked about the Red Cat. The next element mm. of the Red Cat, you got to add the handoff to it. Yeah, it, it, I mean everybody knows what's coming, so you're going to have to run some action with that handoff going the other way now so because right now it's just red gets it and while he's good at it it's hesitation hesitation wait everybody knows that's the only thing texas has done with red in the red cat now you got to hand the ball off Uh, a little misdirection there i think that's going to be the next piece uh, that they're going to have to work on because look i mean kansas state is is going to out physical texas
0: next week in my opinion well they right. they can they can on in some levels, but I don't know that they're gonna be able to do it. They're not necessarily a physical a truly physical defensive front. The the one of the problems I thought, I thought Sark got too cute with the play mm-hmm. calling. I mean that delayed pass to that ended up Malik fumbled on. They're running it down uh, uh BYU's throat at that particular time. And he calls that kind of like delayed delayed pass. It was just gonna be a dump down to, to uh uh, Xavier Worthy, but it just
3: there it was, was it was be, instead
0: of just taking what was happening in the game, yeah. Sark got cute in the red zone, and that's something uh, that they ended up happening. Uh, Matt, will you pull up the stats, please, and show us uh, Texas in the red zone uh, today, please, just so we have a full accounting of it.
3: They were like two or five or something like this. Five. They, they were, were really, really like, bad. Yeah, I want to say it was like two or five or something like that. It was bad. Well, we know that. That's an issue for this team no matter what, right? Even at full capacity, everyone healthy. They've struggled scoring touchdowns in the red zone all season long. And I think one, and I believe that play you're talking about, uh, Bobby, was in the red zone, right? I think that that's where Sark he's struggling because Texas really doesn't have an identity offensively. Doesn't mean they're not great. Uh, they They have a lot of great talent. They do, but they don't really have an identity. So when they get to the red zone, usually that's when you double down on your identity. Whatever you do really well, you just that's what you do in the red zone it's the toughest place to really play offense in the modern game because you just have that limited space to work with and Texas struggles there. And it seems that's when Sark, he may be overthinking. He got in the center there. Uh, Sark, Texas never gets under the center unless they're doing something, you call it too cute, which means they're doing exotics, which the, the double pass usually comes from under center. When they do something like really with a flea flicker of some kind, that's when they get under center or they're trying for a short yardage Quarterback like power game like a sneak or the tush push where they tried against Alabama, which usually goes horribly wrong. So they're either gonna it's a feast or famine situation when Texas gets on the center. They're really predictable. So teams are deciding hell if it's gonna be a flea flicker, we still would do better just rushing the hell out of it and don't let it develop. It's usually something long developing. Or if it's gonna be a, a sneak by the quarterback, hell, let's just shoot gaps. We still win because we get in the backfield to stop it. So the best thing to do when Texas gets on the center, which they never do. Blitz it! Go all out! Go after it! <laughs> it's your best shot.
0: Well, you you look at
3: the stats here: two of five on the
0: red zone attempts. One of them was the pass to uh, Mitchell; the other, the run by Brooks in the first quarter. I mean, but they had a turnover in the red zone, and they were stopped fourth and goal twice. Twice. I mean, the, you know, they couldn't score against OU. They couldn't score against BYU. They are they going to be stubborn? And at one point, I was I was a little you know, miffed in that Texas was up 21 to six and twice Texas could have gone up by three scores if they would have just taken the field goal. But Sark decided to run it uh, and and go for it on fourth down. They take that. They're up by three scores. No way BYU is going to win at that point. Um, but, you know, that's, I'll tell you what, that that's a little, uh, I worry somebody posted it, uh, Wrote it to me in a, a, a text message. Message, look, I graduated from Texas with a business degree. There's something called risk management. That was poor risk management, in my opinion, by Sark. That's that's where I would go with that. All right, Rod uh, and Jerry, uh, Drew. We're this is the Texas post game show, Longhorn live stream uh, on Texas football, uh, brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer. Uh, other thoughts on this game, uh, Drew. What are, what are your some other thoughts that maybe you want to get out there.
2: Oh, man. Um, defense was dominant. And I think yeah. the reason, the, the 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 fact that the defense was as dominant as it was, I, I think that's what gauged some of the risk we saw Sark take. I mean, I felt like he took some of those risks down in the red zone because it's like, hey, we turn it over on downs. We don't have a real threat at quarterback. We don't have a real threat to worry about here. so. Why not give my guys a chance to punch it in um and so uh but the defense was dominant, uh, but it, I think that's but but the turnovers that we were created today too were just they they fueled as well. So um defensively, I want to say that, but this one thing I told myself I would not forget about in this game that pissed me off on defense. Fourth and two,
0: and anyway, we had okay. a nine-yard cushion on that.
3: <laughs> what was that all about, right, I, guys? I was, he was nine I yards was, off. Yeah, we were doing in-game live. I, I don't, guys, I don't understand. Sark, Sark's got to answer that question because Sark said, and you, Drew, you, you would know this too, man, because when y'all played, maybe it was different. Sark said that the coverage dictates the technique. So they call a coverage, and that dictates they're going to play off by a certain number of yards, or they're going to play leverage inside or outside. He was off by, I'll go look at it, at least seven to eight yards. And it looked like he was head up to outside leverage, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think they were in man coverage with that short yardage situation. Why would you ever be outside leverage unless you're expecting whole help, inside help? I mean, I I don't
2: get it. That made no sense at all. I'll agree. Honestly, Rod, I looked looked for that player the remainder of the game to see, okay, that had to be a player issue. Meaning that player specifically did not play that right, the way he was coached to play it in that situation. So I was like, there's no way he was coached to do that. No way. And for the next three quarters, I was looking for him again. No way. I, I didn't see much more of him. I, I mean, in, in those situations. Down. You don't you don't line up nine yards off on fourth down. On fourth so down. as much as I, as, as pissed as I was when I saw it, as the game went on, I was like, so a player just, that, that was a player issue. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we can't win games doing that kind of stuff. That no. should be out of our system at this point, man. Like, I'm sorry. I, at some point, I, if, if we never score another red zone touchdown this year, then I can accept that we suck and we just can't score. But situational things where mere alignment discourages the opportunities that offense get, well, yeah. we can't do that. That's the kind of stuff that that grinds. I, I can't. I, yeah. So yeah. Th- out of the, the defense played their tails off today, got after it. Um, but their situational awareness, their situational – issues and not even heat of the moment type play situations. It's just, are we aligning right? Do we have the right leverage? Are we taking away the easy stuff? Hmm. We have to clean that up, or we're going to help Malik going to help this offense throughout the rest of this season. We, we have to clean it up on defense.
1: Uh, one yeah. thing, I, one thing I like, Bobby was, uh, and I say it, I loved the, on the defensive front, Texas dominated that game. It looked it, when, When it was time to shut it down, BYU was 1-10 on third downs, right? That was the one third down they got, by the way, the player. But the defensive line had a lot of feet on the BYU side of the line of scrimmage from the start until the game was in hand. I love that because when I look at games like this, I say, did we dominate where we're supposed to dominate? And on the defensive line, Texas dominated, especially considering Ethan Burke wasn't there. Finkley played more snaps. Jamon Taps had to play more. Tap had to play more snaps, but Texas owned the line of scrimmage today.
2: Got
0: it, um, guys. Look, Matt, if you don't mind, let's pull up the, the stats and look a little bit more at Malik as uh, Jerry just mentioned him and his day today. Uh, I, I would say serviceable. He came out a little spotty with the two turnovers. Uh, not a little, a lot spotty, in my opinion. Uh, finished with six, finished sixteen of twenty-five. This is hilarious. In the pregame, okay, we were talking on Friday and Rod. You, me, and uh, Jerry were talking on the Friday live stream, and we asked everybody what would be a good game for Malik. And Jerry's response was fifteen of twenty-five with, for one seventy-five and no and no turnovers. Well, mm-hmm. he gets sixteen of twenty-five for one seventy and two turnovers. Two, uh, yeah, two turnovers. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And so I I look at it and you know what what how would you say that the young quarterback. Uh, from California did today?
3: I would give him um, – I'd probably go a, a B-minus, a, a c C-plus grade. Um, the, the fumble, I got to put that more – it's on him. Ball security is always on the quarterback. But, man, that's a bad place to put your young quarterback in if you're sorry. That's a bad, right, to go under center like that, make him uncomfortable like that. You know, you usually predict a bad place to put him in. So that's on both of them. The interception, he just panicked and he freaked out under pressure there. And you said it, Bobby, you said he's going to turn the ball over. you said it was a really high chance of him doing it. He's young, the team he's playing. They're really good at takeaways, something, the only, only things they do really well on defense. And they, they were able to take advantage of that situation. So I'll go eh, right, maybe, you know, B minus, you know, right, right there on the B minus curve, maybe a C plus right there. Cause so I thought he recovered well and, I love the you know the read on the deep throw. I think he's great on RPOs. He's just gonna struggle because his footwork's not great once he has to drop back and get into progression. Like that's not really his strength right now. But he's he's a baby. I mean that comes with time. I, I think the great.
1: I, I think there's some great coaching points for Sark after a win. Um, is Malik played on his back foot too much? What like we said, it Quinn played on his back foot a little bit too much as a freshman, right? Young quarterbacks. Malik was off. He was, he made too many back foot throws for no reason. Maybe there was pressure, but it wasn't like pressure in the face today. There were probably too many back foot throws and Sark's going to get with him and say, Hey, look, man, good first start. We, you built on some solid things, but this game, this position can't be played off your back foot. If you don't have duress in your face like that. So he, he, he got lucky on the one long long uh, throw that could have been a pick six there uh, to uh, 80 Mitchell. I believe it was in the third quarter. Um, that, well, I say long from opposite hash uh, on about the seven yard line. That he got lucky on that. That could have been a pick six. But overall, his, the first time he'd played since his senior year in high school, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, yep. first time he got hit since he, I believe he broke his ankle in the state championship game or foot. So it'd been a long time for him. But I think there was enough there that Sark is going to say, okay, look, man, this is where you're really good, and this is where this can't happen moving forward as you get more experience because you can't make that many back foot throws against Kansas State because there will be another one going the other way. It won't be one. It will be two.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that Kansas State's going to be more opportunistic, to Jerry's point, for sure. Uh, Jonathan Brooks finishing with 98 yards rushing. Uh, outside of that one long run, they kind of bottled him up for most of the day. They, it was clear BYU was going to not let the running game totally beat them. They were going to make Malik Murphy at least be serviceable, right, and and do some things. Xavier Worthy uh, came up with a big game. Not only the punt return had a couple of nice receptions. Uh, you also had uh, I Mitchell with a couple of nice TD catches. Uh, but it wasn't it, it wasn't a great game. The, Maybe the best thing Malik did was check down a couple of times to the running back.
2: Right? Yeah. I, I, I thought Malik, I mean, I expected interceptions. I expected turnovers. So right. at, at the end of the day, I felt he actually managed the game better than, better than I hoped, you know, okay. as far as the worst case scenario thing, I didn't see any high throws this week. We, I felt like he came in composed. He made the throws. There were a couple of throws that were a little later than I would have liked. Um, Uh, There's, I mean, and then he had a couple drops. There's some passes that were a little bit contested that that could have been caught by a couple guys, but I didn't expect much more from him in this game. I think we leaned on the run game. That special teams touchdown to start off to kick us off was was some good cushion for us as well. I think once we saw our defense rolling, we we kept it simple. I mean, we didn't we didn't we weren't doing all the motions and the shifts. We weren't doing nearly what we typically do, but. I was a little bit refreshed to see, OK, we're just going to try to get the ball to playmakers and play our chances. Our guys versus you, your guys line up, run the ball, um, move the chains and pick the right plays. After we kind of see where we go from first to second down, that that's kind of uh, it was less of the, the the it didn't feel like a chess match today. Uh, we we just lined up and went and played football. So it wasn't it wasn't pretty. But um, we, we wrote our guys who we wrote the talent we have and, and it was good enough. You know oh, what? Well, hey, I mean, you know what?
1: turn made it turn into a pretty win. Oklahoma's flying home with a loss. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think and I that feel like work. I feel like
1: Texas had six hundred yards on one by fifty
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I will say this: another thing that Texas de- they did debut some new looks for this year. A couple of two back looks, twenty one personnel, triangle formation. Yeah, Ken, yeah, yeah. Ken, uh, Keelan Robinson got some carries for the first time in a while today. He was used even in the, the, I think he caught a pass as well. Um, and so you, you mix all of that together, uh, and I think Sark threw some new things in there uh, and was trying to protect his quarterback, quarterback a little bit. But overall, I thought Malik Murphy was serviceable. Particularly, I'm going to say this, much more so in the second half than the first half. Now, Texas, uh, you know, did, they didn't score as many points uh, in the second half but they didn't need to either, right? I I felt like he protected the ball better in the second half, uh, even though they weren't necessarily as, uh, I don't know, explosive uh, in that half. I I felt like the game did sort of calm down for him a little, but maybe not all the way. You know know what I mean by that? And and I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, Drew, you brought up the defense earlier. Uh, they hold the uh, BYU underneath uh, 300 yards uh, total offense. They also hold them to just six points. Uh, this Texas defense, they keep doing stuff like that. They're going to be good. But did we see any improvement in the secondary? That that was the big question going in. Drew and Rod, do you all think we saw any improvement in the secondary? I yeah, feel that like was we
2: improvement. We saw consistency in the secondary. Yeah. Uh, more consistency? Uh, yeah, I mean – Nothing stood out in a negative way outside of that. Well, there, there's some things that stood up. I, I, I didn't feel like there were any egregious bl- just misses or it felt solid. Okay. And I kind of, I paid, I paid a lot more attention to it probably than I, I usually do. Cause the D line made it easier for me to just focus on the DBs. Uh, Michael Taff shows up where he's supposed to show up. Uh, like he's like, he's just done consistently. Uh, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to, to to love, I mean, we want our, our highest upside players being the ones that that can log the, the downs for us. But um, unfortunately, some of those guys just aren't making the plays in other ways. So my Michael Taft was serviceable. I love Derek Williams, no matter what he's doing out there, uh, because every down, every rep, he's going to get better. And so uh, every down, he's out there getting reps for us. I feel good about, um, but yeah, I think at the cornerback position, It was good to see guys back out there healthy, but they're still not all 100%. So, and you can see that out there. And it wasn't a lot of threats this week. And I'm not sure how threatening things are going to be next week uh, for us, but uh, hopefully, this is more of a knock your rust off game for some guys uh, while we patch it together and get back going next week.
3: Well, what about
0: you in the secondary?
3: Yeah, it they they tried some of the same things that exploited Texas, right? Against when they played U of H and when they played Oklahoma. They started the drag routes early. Remember, we saw that and so Anthony Hill get a pass breakup early on. You know, they tried some of those things. They tried, you know, targeting bunch of formations. They just don't really have the athletes. Um, and Keaton Slovis just isn't the threat at quarterback that a Donovan Smith or a Dylan Gabriel are. But you know, K-State will have that threat. I mean, Avery Johnson and Will Howard. They will bring that threat at quarterback, not the skill positions. They aren't what they have been, but still, I think, you know, that's what Texas has to worry about. This is just a matchup. This was a really good matchup for the Texas secondary because you had bigger wide receivers, they aren't necessarily faster guys. They aren't twitchy guys. They were bigger guys, more possession-wide receivers who could make some plays. You saw that really great catch by Lassiter who could make some plays, but they're not burners. And Oklahoma, you talked about that, Bobby, they had burners outside. Then You know, U of H had burners on the outside. Burners are give Texas issues, and that's what Drew's talking about. I don't know if K-State's got burners either uh, on the outside. May have some good skill guys, but not guys that can straight up run right passion. They may have one or two. Um, and that's the really that we're seeing right now. That may be the combination that gives Texas issues. Quarterback that can threaten you with the run game, the quarterback run game, and then you got guys that you get them ball in space on the outside. They can make those DBs miss. And Texas, you ain't got that combination. And by the way, ain't a lot of people do, right? If you ain't got that combination. Texas really is a bad matchup for most teams that way, because Texas can stop the run, naturally. Yes. They can. They, their 2D tackles can pretty much stand up and be the wall that helps them win the numbers advantage in a run game. So if you can't throw it and be a, as a pass-first team, and that's what U of H and that's what Oklahoma were, pass-first teams, Texas is a bad matchup for you. And for, for, for the teams in the big 12, but obviously outside of that different months, that's why, that's why I do, that's why that Kansas game, um, we all know if Jalen Daniels plays in the Kansas game, I ain't saying they beat Texas, but maybe a different, you know, different outcome just because they could have been passed first and, and, you know, they can do some of the things that can exploit Texas, but BYU couldn't do it. They tried it. They tried it. I saw it, but the Texas secondary was sound because they didn't have the threats. Somebody's I, I asking was,
1: who I, caught the most passes. Uh, Jonathan Brooks 4, JT Sanders 4, Xavier Worthy 4, A.D. Mitchell 3 today. Hey, JT Sanders is his guy, though. Look
3: at them, them passes that JT caught. JT, man, one, do you see that one? one, one downfield for sure. Ooh. JT, that was a highlight one, man. When he got hit real hard and he caught it almost like it was one-handed. Hey, by the way, I, I, I thought
1: Malik's best throw of the day was his last throw of the day to A.D. Mitchell. On the RPO, on the RPO, on the RPO deep slant. His his
3: RPOs are his best throws
1: because that throw was in the only place it could have been for AD to turn up and get to the end zone. If that ball's a smidge behind him and he has to slow down, he doesn't score. That that was his best throw today. He led him to where AD Mitchell could turn it up and score.
3: His uh-huh. arm is so strong that he doesn't need to have his foot, his feet set to, to throw an RPO, and it's usually going to be a, a wide window. I think his yeah. first completion of the day was an RPO throw. The
0: mm-hmm. one, the I, who was that to? That was Mitchell as well, wasn't it? It was Mitchell as so. well,
2: Mitchell.
0: yeah, 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 right. yeah. Not not an un, unfamiliar throw there. Um, I, hey guys, we've we talked a little bit about uh Malik Murphy. Uh, look, uh, Matt, if you get a chance, can you pull up the defensive stats? Texas ends the game with three turnovers. Uh, two interceptions, understand. one by Michael Tapp that uh, Drew referenced. Terrence Brooks got his, I believe that's that's his first on first the year, right? First, first career, career
1: interception. First career yeah.
0: interception. Uh, and then uh, Justice Finkley uh, causes a sack fumble uh, that Jure Bledsoe uh, went out there and got. But look at this, uh, Jalen Ford. Jerry, you predicted he would have a big game. 11 tackles today for the uh, senior from Frisco. Uh, Derek Williams, uh, Drew Kelson's favorite, uh, <laughs> comes up with seven Tackles on the day. That
1: felt like a quiet seven tackles, too.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it did, because he was chasing a lot. But look at this one. The interior, the defensive tackle, seven tackles from Tavondre Sweat. That is a, people, you don't, it's been a while since, probably since Puna Ford. Yeah. Since Texas had an interior tackle make that many tackles in a game. They just don't, you think they might or should, but historically they just don't get credit because they're, they're more busy occupying space, but that's, that's just tremendous.
1: Two things. Uh, first thing, that may have been the most active game for Maurice Blackwell at Texas. That no I doubt. Um, and Jalen Ford, we talked about it. And I, this is where next week's going to be so interesting, Drew and Rod. We talked Rod. We hit it up. We talked about yesterday with Bobby. This is a free-flowing game for Jalen Ford. They, yeah. They're not putting him in conflict in this game. Next week goes back to conflict for him. Yep. Uh, the, today, it was more that traditional linebacker where he's really at his strength. And we, we Bobby and I talked about in the pregame, if you put Derek Johnson in conflict, it didn't matter. The guy ran 10-5. He'd say, screw it, I'm going to go tackle go over here. Jalen <laughs> Ford's not that athlete. So when Jalen Ford – he's more of such a traditional linebacker to me that when it, the game, it was his strengths. He could float it to football downhill – They blitzed him up the middle some, and it was more natural dropping in the coverage. Next week, K-State's going to attack the Texas backers the way Oklahoma uh, and and U of H did. That's going to be the key, and they're going to do it with QB run game threat. Uh, So that's going to be what's going to be so fascinating about that matchup next week because the interior to K-State offensive line is the best Texas we'll see all year.
3: Yeah, and one thing I saw that I think may be interesting, and we brought it up on the in-game live watch, um, uh, that they, when they played Mo Blackwell, they'd play in mean, that package on third downs with him, Anthony Hill, Jalen yep. Ford, they'd have Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and I believe Baron Sorrell. That was their mm-hmm. kind of the front that they would play. And that's a nice mixture when you're talking about, because they didn't really need it in this game. Keaton Slovis, they didn't need it. Whether well, you need a package like that is versus K-State, you know, where you got a quarterback that can put you in conflicts where they, a quarterback can be on the move. You got multiple guys out there that can spy the quarterback or flush him from the pocket or crash the edge. Guys that are hybrids, whether it be an Anthony Hill or a Mo Blackwell. I was like, man, why did, why did they run that package against Keaton Slovis? You don't need it. I think they, like, you talked about this, Drew, and sometimes you're just working out some kinks for a package yeah. because you're projecting to use it down the line. That's something they may use a lot versus K-State. It may hold up really well in that game, potentially.
0: Another thing I want to mention here, uh, a stat that our producer, Matt, brought to my attention, only two sacks. But Texas got a lot of pressure, right? right. Ended yeah. up with 12 tackles for loss.
1: Yeah, okay. That's there a healthy
0: go. day at the office. Yeah, uh, Jerry's point, to Jerry's point earlier, the defensive line was playing often on the mm-hmm. other side of scrimmage. That's that's what that's a good sign of, right, guys? Yep.
2: And, yeah, uh, and mean, they didn't break a lot. Was, he took some shots. Oh, we <laughs> he took Rude. some shots today. And I was thinking on this season, I was like, how many times have we we've gotten sacks, but how many games have we had where we've seen a quarterback, we've gotten a chance to hit him a few times, even yeah. if he gets a pass off today? They got they got some hits in on him. He took he took a little bit of a beat up yeah he he took some hurting today
3: yeah he was a bit but he's more of a stationary target right those guys are easier to hit Dylan Gabriel, Donovan Smith coming up with A.V. Johnson and Will Howard they won't be stationary like that and you know that's the remember Jalen Milrow how many times how many sacks they missed on Milrow in that game I think it's like four sacks they missed on Milrow in that game that's the key when you're growing up as a quarterback that can move around as opposed to a keen Slovis who's going to be you know an easier target
0: all right. We're going to get to uh, everybody's question or get to a lot of questions here in the post game show. Uh, you're listening to on Texas football, the post game show uh, brought to you by flight, the next generation of light beer uh, from Yingling and our, our friends at Faust uh, distributing as well. Uh, guys, let's, let's start with some comments and see what we think. Uh, there's, I'm going to start with a somewhat funny one uh, here from Dale Allen. <laughs> can, Sark, can Sark fire red zone Sark? I mean, I, I, I understand what he's saying. Uh, because I thought Sark just got too too cute overall in the red zone today. A couple of different times, you know, they they stayed with the with the red cat. But I don't know if maybe maybe Savion Red got tired on that last play that they could have kept going to back to it because they are gaining at least a yard yard and a half on each one. One more time, I, I probably would have gone with the red cat one more time. What do you what do y'all think? What do y'all thought? Y'all I think thought you gotta add
1: that? the handoff element to Cedric Baxter. I think that's the next part of that. It's it's really predictable right now. You gotta add that. You gotta add that misdirection handoff to Cedric Baxter. I, I think that's the next piece to that, that red cat.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I get I I get having a former high school quarterback run it, but today this is me. I'm just like I want Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter running that
0: package. But, boy, I don't don't know if you want Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks is not a great short yardage back to me, guys. I
2: I, I mean, it's all about numbers. I don't even care about the yardage per se. It's all about getting numbers and the right guys seeing the holes and getting the extra yards. Um, I I like Jonathan Brooks' center of gravity and the way he moves forward and falls forward, whereas – I do feel like saving on red is a little more upright. Baxter's a little bit more, more upright. So yes. whoever can get lower with, the, get a lower center of gravity down there. I feel much stronger about them being able to gain the tougher yards that we need to, I mean, we're, we're, we're yard out. It's not yeah. like, it's. I mean, yeah. we're, it's weird. We getting one and a half yard of carry for three down straight and
3: then no, no game. Like it's. So, so th- it's the difference to me, right? We got to figure out, Are you struggling in the red zone? Are you struggling on the goal line, or both? Right, because they're very different, as you know, Mm -hmm. Drew. there's very different types of Mm -hmm. defenses we're gonna Mm -hmm. play, very different style offenses. And I Mm -hmm. think Texas is pretty. I think Texas is bad at both, actually. That's why I think they're so so bad down there, because they're bad in the red zone and they're bad on the goal line. And one thing I used to think was a strength for Texas. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna watch every damn red zone play. I'm telling you, right. I've already got my mindset. Go back and watch them all, because I gotta figure this out. You gotta figure it out, out, bro. I got to figure it out because I, I used to think it was a strength that they were so versatile and so multiple in the red zone, right? Six line package, 21 out there, 11, 12, you know, sometimes it's red cat, sometimes it's jumbo, baby, you never know. And now I'm thinking maybe that's a weakness. Maybe they don't know what the hell they are when they get down there. So maybe that's Tark or Coach Steven. All right, just you throwing blank at the wall and seeing if it sticks. He's like, I don't know what the hell to do down here. All right, let's go. Let's try a 6-0 line. Let's try, uh, let's try 12. Let's try jumbo. Let's. So I, I, I think it's an identity crisis that happens down there in the red zone. And situationally, he almost have has a form of writer's block. It's like play caller's block down there where he doesn't really know what to do. So he's just throwing a lot at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And some coaches have a different mentality. They go players, not plays down there. I don't know if Sarks are players not plays. He was last year because it was Bijan and Rojo. but this year I think he's just he's he's more about the plays and not the players. And I think maybe that's why he's thrown off. It's I don't guys. They, they basically Texas offense is an idiot savant. Right? It was an idiot savant. They're elite in one area, but they're just impaired in others. Texas is elite as an offense overall between the twenties, but down there they are one of the worst offenses in college football. It is stupefying.
0: So, hey, Rod, you made a great point at the very start of that. Uh, Brian Irwin, Coach Brian Irwin, uh, who who's at the game today, we'll talk to him on Monday at, on lunch with the coach. Uh, but he made the distinction between short yardage slash goal line and red zone. He mm-hmm. said they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Texas also is not good on third and short. I mean, they they are not in the top 50 in the country in, in – uh, third and short. They're actually really bad at it compared to everything they are, else they are. And I think that's indicative of a team that can't – I think they can't run the football when they absolutely have to because their bread-and-butter play, in part, is that inside zone. Yep. That's their bread-and-butter play. And on the goal line, it's one thing whenever you're at the 50 and they have to defend all – the safeties have to stay back a little bit. But when you can snug the linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage on third and short and or on the goal line, Hayden Connor and uh, Jake majors have real issues. I I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to come behind
1: y'all and say that at the end of the day, there's not guys winning those matchups that have to win those matchups. That's creating some of this
0: conversation right now. Yep. Yep. This is Russell with his comment and it's, it's a goal line is about knocking the you know what out of the guy across from you. It's about the line of scrimmage. Y'all are overthinking about it. Uh, it's the O line period, and ours ain't getting it done. Uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking right now at this point. Uh, hey, 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 Drew, let me ask you a, a question real quick. Here's another comment real quick from Kabir Hussein. Everyone says Sark is an offensive genius, but we got stopped twice in the five, inside the five yard line, and we are ranked 100 plus in red zone offense. Rod, you described this uh, a little bit. You think he's thinking more plays, not players, right now? I thought maybe the one time it looked like they may have scored in the red zone on a third, uh, third and ten or so, was he was thinking players. He he, he threw the dump down past the outlet
3: uh, to yeah.
0: Brooks and yes. almost
3: scored off of that. Yeah, you're right. That was we play.
0: start thinking more players than plays because he he was like conceding a field goal almost. Oh, if it hits, it hits. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna just kick the field goal, right? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and so I'm I'm interested to see how it goes and and, and goes from there. Um, Tommy asked a question, and I don't know if anybody else got this. How many injuries today? Well,
1: uh, Manny Muhammad came back into the game.
0: I think so he did Jade Barron. So did Jade yeah, Barron.
1: Yeah, I, I think Manny just got a little stinger because he was kind of doing this number. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think he he came back into the game. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember in any guys going out for the game. No, Ryan Williams was not at the game. Uh, just uh, K.J. Lacey for that person that just asked that.
0: Um, also, I would say add to it, um, Ryan Watts, no problems there. I think he's a welcome addition back to the defense uh, for sure. Uh, he def- had a pass defended downfield, uh, clean tackler. Uh, all of that being said, the Longhorns may still miss Jalen Catalan a little bit back there. A lot. Uh, Ethan Burke did not play either. Uh,
1: I think think Jalen Catalan's key next week,
0: man. They need Jalen Catalan next week. They do. All right. uh, This is from Nathan McNamee. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is three yards away from six 100-yard games in a row. He missed it by one yard last week. I don't Mm -hmm. know if y'all caught this, by two yards this week. Uh, But he Mm -hmm. is clearly on pace uh, to to break the 1,000-yard barrier. That's a – uh, category that Sark really has, you know, all he always has a 1,000 yard rusher uh, this year. Uh, this one's from Juan. If we play, and I want to get y'all thought on this. If we play like this next week against K State. We'll get blown out.
2: If we play if dominant defense, on we'll get blown out. Is that what you're saying here?
0: He's basically saying if if the Texas offense plays like they did today against K State. Texas will get blown out. I
1: I don't agree with that. It's a home game. The fans are going to be jacked up. This is going to be the number 16. Hey, Texas moving up another spot in the rankings, right? Um, It's going to be a jacked up home crowd. The Kansas State's a tremendous opponent. I think the fans are going to be ready for this game. I think the team's going to be ready for this game. Look, this is – they were supposed to win these two games after OU. This is the game where Texas knows they have to bring it. I mean, really bring it. Let's be real. They knew they were the better team the last two weeks. They're going to step onto the field thinking they're the better team, but also knowing if they don't play well, they're going to lose. They have to bring it this week. All right. Yeah, next, I, yeah, guys,
0: week well, anything else about the K-State? Andrew, I'm sorry. K-State game next week?
2: I lost, the K- I lost seven games in college. <laughs> Seven games total. Seven, seven games total. I beat every team we ever played. K State's the one team I never beat. Damn. I two against K State.
3: Ooh. Really?
2: That's wild. So this, this is wild. personal for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every, every time it's personal. I, I hate that. Yeah. Two and two against o, OU, two and two against AM, lost to Ohio State once, and then never beat K State.
3: Yeah, the, the purple kryptonite, man. I, I'll say this about K State. Um, I that was one of the losses I had for Texas going into the season. I had them losing to K State, and honestly, looking at it right now, I'm undecided until I do some more deep diving and research on K State. Considering the new Avery Johnson, you know, factor thrown in there now, and Chris Kleinman's just a hell of a coach, man. He's a hell of a coach. He really is.
2: We're gonna need defense next week like dialed in defense, as many healthy bodies as we can get. And as many guys who understand the scheme, they're going to play with their head on fire. They're going to get after it. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what what we think about the offense right now. I think our offense, if anything, has been consistent enough for us to understand who they are for better or for worse. It's our defense right now that has kind of given a bit more, Uh, leakage over the last few weeks and in certain spots uh, since especially in the OU game that whereas OU game was really a schematic issue uh, more than anything else I mean we just put ourselves in some really bad positions time and time again and did not make the adjustments Um, we can't afford to 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 go into this game next week K-State has put enough on film the last couple weeks with Avery Johnson and what they're doing right now to where we got to figure something out. Um, they do a great job of putting defenses into conflict. And then it seems like anytime you give them a chance, they execute. They don't miss. They may not have burners that are going to beat you every play, but if they dial something up, they tend to, to execute on what they dial up. So, um, yeah, I mean, Rod, you had every reason to have this one as a, as a, uh, a potential loss on the season, but I'd say the reasons now are different than we probably would have said yeah. earlier this season. You totally know, our agree. defense definitely needs to come in prepared to keep us in this one, create some turnover somehow and give us a shot.
0: I've got another question for you guys. Uh, by the way, M. briss wants Drew to give the three game speech. <laughs> hey, uh, I, mean, I second he, that. He, he does not like the purple people from uh, uh, Manhattan. That, baby. Hey, <laughs> I, I want to ask a different question. Take this a little bit different dire- direction. Any guys play well today that you maybe haven't seen do much? I'll I'll mention two guys uh, that I thought played relatively well at times uh, when given an opportunity. Justice Finkley had a big play. Uh, He did give up some yardage as well in the running game. Uh, But also Jamon Tapp. I mean, I thought he played reasonably well. Uh, You saw him. I don't know that that was pass interference on him, by the way. I didn't feel like that was necessarily pass interference downfield. And then he also made a couple plays in the open field uh, and and, uh, came down with some tackles. Anybody else you guys thought? Mo Blackwell. Mo Blackwell. Blackwell.
1: How big was his injury preseason? Because he's showing a lot of athleticism, playing space ability as we thought he would. Um, And, you know, I think he's finally back 100%. That was, to me, the most active game I've seen from him as a defender at Texas. I mean, he's always been good on special teams. But I'm, I'm guessing he this was probably his best game as a linebacker at Texas.
2: Yeah. If there is a way we can get more Jalen Gilbo and Jaday Barron on the field, just to see
3: how- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Seeking the truth
0: never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC
3: through Facebook games.
2: How could that happen? I, I, I can't explain what they would do.
3: Put your day but, in safety. That's how it happens. It's easy. Put but your day we, in safety. Put Jalen Gilbert at, at going to. Mate. We
2: rotate all these guys at safety, but we just can't. We won't rotate Jade back there, right? He's better at
3: safety than easy. Let's, any let's just give
2: him a can. shot, right? Let's just give <laughs> him a shot. Come
3: on, man. At least I'm with you. Down. I'm with Turn you, Rod. Down. I'm with
2: Turn you, Rod. With you, Rod. I mean, yeah. now that we've kind of seen a little Gilbo in, in that slot, I'm like, okay, I, I can work with that. We need another coverage guy that we can trust in, in, in that defensive backfield right now, man.
1: Um, and he almost had a pick today. He had one. He had two hands. He had have, two, yeah. hands, on, he yeah, had two had hands on it. Would have been a tough
0: one, but he got two hands on it.
2: number? Right, some
0: other comments from coming in from folks. Freelance Society. Great win and crowd today. Goal line killed me watching. Almost covered. Also covered my picks for Texas, Kansas, and Oregon. I can't Ooh. believe anybody would have taken twenty points in Texas today. But look, Longhorns covered thirty-five to six. The final. Uh, Juan says disappointing win uh, for him. Uh, and then William Niche. Uh, also says a win is a win. Bring on K-State. We need a night game. That is not – we do not know whether that's going to be a night game right now, an 11 a.m. kick for the Fox Big Big Saturday or a big noon kickoff, or uh, possibly a 2.30 game. So I'll, I'll,
1: I'll comment on that. So there's already on the books you have ESPN with the 9 p.m. Oregon State-Colorado game. Okay, that one's already in. You have obviously CBS is out. You have Washington at USC six thirty on ABC. So it's looking like the eleven a.m. Fox is probably your best bet. Interesting. Uh, Or two thirty ABC regional maybe. Yep. Yep. It's going to be one of those two based on what the schedule that's already out. Yep, I got it. Question is: Is is College Game Day going to be there next week? There's not unless you go out to Washington USC. I, I mean, last time I checked, USC was about to give up 50 points to Cal. Uh, but Ooh. go ahead.
0: I think they may have already given up 50 points to Cal. That's unbelievable. But they also may have scored 50 points.
1: <laughs> oh, they're, oh, they're up 49-43. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Hey, Scott Schroeder uh, asked this question. Can someone ask Sark on the on why we keep seeing off coverage when we get stops with while using press? Uh, Rod and, and Drew both have uh, addressed this uh terry joseph calls the corner coverages uh and the the technique that they use so it's not necessarily sark that needs to answer that it's either pk and terry joseph or, or something like that because uh, i do believe that that's probably one thing that has to uh, happen um here's one from travis earls uh, i know sark wants to trust malik murphy but when does sark decide to have arch jump in you might do you think Sark might sub too late. I'm not trying to be too pessimistic. He didn't sub. I mean, he does not sub much on offense. He he put all the young receivers in today, but he didn't put in Neto. He didn't put in uh, – he only played – I think Cole Hudson played one or two series all all day. Uh, He didn't sub much outside of the receivers today on offense and certainly didn't put Sark in. I thought he was going to put Arch in late like two different times. I did. Too. I did not to.
3: Yeah. He, he, when he was asked about it, he said um, Arch Manning didn't play because he wanted his team to find more rhythm offensively. He also said that if the chances for Manning to play would have gone up, should they have punched in the red zone? You know, those obviously few times when they did not, they were two or five in the red zone. So basically he said they'd have scored more points in the red zone, which is kind of a Sark's fault. fault. <laughs> um, they'd have played. They'd had a bigger cushion. That's basically what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. Uh, Juan also says K-State will pick us apart next week if we play like that. Uh, and, Jerry, do you know uh, this from E-Kim? You were talking about this guy, John Tur- uh, Tur-tine, Turtine. Yeah, Tur-tine. Um, he yeah, he it it
1: yeah, he should have been. He, I think he was at the game. I mean, he hasn't posted anything, but he was fully expected at the game. I talked to his high school coach this morning. Him and his parents were expected at the game, which I'm sure when he gets offered that, I'm sure that will be made public later today. By by the way, uh, Rod, we might get into that one a little bit. Uh, You got to give this kid a watch. He may be the best prospect in the state as a sophomore. Period. Regards to
0: classification, he's pretty special. Nice, big offensive tackle, guys. Uh, Justin Yarbrough. BYU was more physical than I expected. Just thought we could run the ball better. I think they were physical on defense, maybe better than than we expected. I also think they committed to stopping the run more. That given the, the backup quarterback was in. Y'all, y'all agree with that? I see, look, Definitely. Drew's shaking his head. What, what do you have to say here, Drew?
2: Maybe I saw a different game. I don't know. I mean, okay. yes, we sucked, we sucked in the red zone, all right? We did. We can talk about that all day, but I'm not going to pretend we didn't have, you know, what, 5.3 yards of carry or Brooks had 6.1. And, yes, you, there, there's long runs, but there's always long runs that make those numbers what they are. So we can't pick and choose, like – we, we did what we needed to do. Uh, and then Sark took it upon himself to take some risk we otherwise wouldn't have taken. Um, and so it just feels different. If he's kicking field goals, it, it, it's just a different feel. And I, we are going to be – we're going to continue to build off this. I, I just – I hate winning a game that we've had control of, the defense-dominated – Regardless of the opponent, and we're we're talking like it's doomsday right now. We're seven and one. We have a lot of stuff to work on. We play terrible. People say Sark's the offensive guru. We're terrible in the red zone, and we're still putting up points. We're still finding a way to put up points. We're still we're playing good complimentary football. We're getting turnovers. We're we're putting ourselves in position to win. We're scored a touchdown. We scored a touchdown. Punt return. Like at some point. Dude, we got to enjoy these wins. This is football. This is football, dude. You line up every day. They practice, too. <laughs> they work, too. Not, everybody's not going to roll over. U of didn't roll over. This is what the game looks like.
3: It's Texas is taking be
2: everybody's year. best shot this year. It's last not gonna year. It's going to be pretty. It's not all going to be pretty.
1: Oklahoma took UCF's best shot two weeks ago. That Texas and Oklahoma are getting everybody's best shot on the way out the door. Uh, and by the way, Kansas has forever got scoreboard on Oklahoma. Uh, by the way, so somebody asked uh, recruiting, how do recruits look at this game today? Hey, recruits look at this game great. Texas is 7-1, and one, ranked top 10. And I guarantee you this, DeAndre Robinson was there. And I guarantee in the locker room, you know what Bo Davis is going to bump in him and say, hey, you see that Georgia score? Oh, no, you probably didn't. Uh, Georgia was blue – the gators out, man. And those calls to Wardell Mack, Xavier Phil Same, who had two interceptions last night, the safety of McKinney who couldn't make it to Austin today. He was flipping both of those games on 230, <laughs> and he saw the team he was committed to, saying, Ooh, shit's kind of ugly. But Texas doesn't look so
0: bad. That's the way recruits looked at it. <laughs> hey, Rod, this is a question for you. Corey Hall wants you to make sure he'd be curious when you do your deep dive to find out how many times. Jonathan Brooks gets touches in the red zone. I want to hear blacks. Uh, that I see. I see Drew shaking his hand uh, on that one. Yeah. Fest comes in here and talks. Says, "Man, I finally understand why losing to Kansas is funny. It's going <laughs> down. Uh, they tried to make the last minute uh, hurrah uh, like they did against the Longhorns, but could not get it done against the Jayhawks <laughs> in uh, Lawrence today. Uh, and here's another question for you guys." Uh, that we'll go to. Was it just me, or did it seem like the team had swag with Malik and was having fun? Hook him. Uh, you go for that, uh, Drew. I see you kind of shaking your head a
2: little bit. I felt Malik was relaxed. I felt like he was having fun on the sideline. I felt like the guys believed. In some ways, I felt like what the game has been had been – it would have been a different offense. But the plays we ran, Malik executed. I mean, he made a bonehead mistake and panic play on the pick, but – People say, "Oh, well, he got bailed out on the interception." Quinn has gotten bailed out on the interception. Guys mm-hmm. have dropped. We, we got to look at this. I mean, they they throw in a quarterback who's never played, hasn't played a game since senior year in high school, which yeah. wasn't real. I mean, they have the twenty. He was injured. Uh, there was a COVID year. There's all this other stuff. I was like, I remember looking up. It's like we're picking up this guy who hadn't played any football. Yeah, this guy just went out there and managed the game. Uh, made some throws, made touchdown throws. Um made some throws out, out to the flats, got the ball out of his hands when he needed to. He's going to get coached up this week. He's gonna see a lot of things on film that he missed, a lot of things that he can take the next step in advance. The concepts that he did well, we mm-hmm. can take the next step next week. We you graduated. Now we can move on to a little deeper in certain ways and get comfortable. There's a lot of coaching that's going to happen this week. That's the most exciting part about this game next week. You're going to get an emotional Texas next week. You're going to get an emotional crowd next week. You're going to get guys dialed in to the opponent, guys playing for something next week. Now we need the game plan. We need the defensive intensity. And we need a quarterback who's going to manage the game. And we need an offensive line who's going to own the line of scrimmage because that's where the fight's going to be next week.
0: Here's an interesting uh, fact. I'm just thinking about it, uh, Drew. You just went on a little bit of a rant, which I think people appreciate. Texas seven and one now. Last seventeen game or last seventeen games, Texas is thirteen and seventeen. Thirteen and seventeen is, is pretty darn good, guys. Huh. Uh, over the last seventeen games, right? Would yeah, 13, agree and four, thirteen and four. Yep. Thirteen and four. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Thirteen of seventeen, so thirteen and yeah. four. That's pretty darn good. from From where Texas mm-hmm. was, the best season Tom Herman or mm-hmm. Mac Brown or anybody had was ten and four overall, right? Ten, mm-hmm. and, I, I think it was a couple years ago. Yeah, that's pretty strong.
2: It's it, it's hard winning games this time of year too. <laughs> um, and then that's that that's why I'm, I'm anxious to see how all the teams kind of pan out over the next couple of weeks. Some teams have gotten better. Uh, we're 13-4. and, and four. That That's some perspective, Bobby. I, I appreciate you putting that into perspective. But th- these next few weeks are going to go as expected. They're, they could all be close, every last one of them coming yeah. up.
0: Well, I, Iowa like, State looks better. Iowa they State road Baylor. Baylor. K-State looks really good. TCU's got a, a quarterback that uh, can move the ball. We'll see if Texas can move the ball against the three-high safety look. And then Texas Tech, you talk about a team that uh, the last game of the year – that Super definitely players. wants to have a win on the way out. Yeah, there's no, nobody, no bigger one than that. Uh, one of the reasons I, I, I went on that uh, and talked a little bit about the last 17 games or so is because of this uh, post from Matthew Munoz. Uh, how about eight straight games with 30-plus points and 10 of the last 11 games? Our chance to win the Big 12 will be up to our defense. Is that ultimately true? I mean, they're going to have to keep scoring 30.
2: And that's what and terrible third down play, red zone play, and all of it. We're still finding a way to do that. So, yeah, I, I still think it comes down to defense for us.
1: By, by, by the way, as somebody posted this. I was going to say – I was getting about to read the Big 12 schedule. Stutzman got out injured for OU today, didn't come back in. Next week is a huge week in the Big 12. You have OU at Oak State. Oak mm-hmm. State's ascending. Who would have thought that after thirty three seven loss to South Alabama, OU coming to town, um, coming off a loss, Kansas State at Texas, Kansas at Iowa State. That's
3: I mean, big. who had
1: who had Matt Campbell four and one in conference play after they lost to Ohio U? Hey, after, hey well, how about how about after they lost half their starting? After yeah. that guy can coach, yeah. man. He should have left long ago, but he can coach. Nah,
3: nah, no, no, he can coach. He coaches like he's like the Tom Herman though. He's one of those guys that can do more with less. Yeah. When he, you know what I mean? He does more with less, but when you give him more, right? He, you know what I mean? Kind of. It's my thing. I, when he had Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler and Brees Hall, that was when he was supposed to contend for a college all playoff, and then they underachieve. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where usually when you get a, your best team, that's when you have your mm-hmm. best, yeah. your best, your know, achievement. Obviously, your best record. Not with him. He usually does his best work when he has a team like this. Right, That's an, underach- an underdog, and and everybody's kind of counting them out. It's weird, that kind of psychological makeup of some teams.
1: He pulls out his best from those kids in those situations, yeah,
3: for real. Exactly.
0: This is the post-game show on Texas football, brought to you by the folks at Flight, the next generation of light beer produced by Yingling, uh, also sponsored by Faust Distributing, our friends over there. Uh, Longhorn grads, they are. Uh, hey, A uh, couple other th- things here that I wanted to throw out that I thought were interesting. Zero holding calls again. I mean, it, how many times was Byron Murphy held? I mean, they literally tugged Tavondre's sweat down by the back of his jersey from behind. They were holding him from behind, getting after the quarterback one time.
2: Well, wait, wait till next week. Oh, man. It'll piss you off next week.
0: Yeah, it really will because it, they're, they're going to connect on plays. Because of it, BYU didn't really connect on anything.
3: Guys, we're in no position to complain about officiating. We might have won a game last week because the officials gave us a favorable spot. We need to stop.
1: Yeah, we need to
3: stop.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm just saying.
3: I, I'm just saying. just saying. I think
0: you're right in some ways, and and maybe look, Texas and and Texas and and the, the refs have a, a strange history. Back when I was going to school, there were there were a lot of positive calls going on for Texas, in my opinion. It's changed in the Big 12, yeah. Uh, especially the last 10 years.
3: That's it's true. like everybody
0: was happy to – it really started, I think, with with Charlie Strong um, in that Oklahoma State game. That oh, was where it, I think the worm kind of turned. Oh, Mac's not here anymore, and we loved Mac. You know, and it, yeah. and it was kind of – I, I don't know. Uh, a couple people are asking uh, about if Manny Muhammad came back, Jake Robinson. Uh, yes, he did, according to uh, Jerry Hamilton. Uh, and this is a good question for you from Matthew Munoz as well. Did anyone see Ken- Connor Stallion in the stands? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the <laughs> Michigan guy that did that uh, I'll tell you what
1: that uh, and I, and I look, it's a, Connor Sounder Say hey y'all want y'all want my help scouting Texas in the red zone nah we're good thanks <laughs> uh, hey, hey by the way uh, Cal's about to score and beat USC it's 50-49 USC over Cal, wow. Cal has the ball in the USC 3 with 58 seconds to go I mean I would take two knees USC I, I would not I would not give Caleb Williams the hey, ball back no hey way Guys, this is why we're going to enjoy seven and one. If USC loses this game, they go to six and three. And you want to know the rest of their schedule? Washington loss at Oregon. Oregon loss. UCLA at home loss. They're going to lose six games in a row to end the season. Mark my words. If they lose this game, they're going to go six if, and
3: six. And if they if they go they end the season like that, Lincoln Riley's going to think about exiting straight to the league. To the yep. NFL, I guarantee he's going to try to go 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 to Caleb as a package deal. If it goes that bad, he might think about getting the hell out of there. I mean, might think about down. that if
1: USC loses six games in a row in the season.
3: They can't mm. stop anybody.
2: Yeah, R- Raleigh, Raleigh's going to have to prove he's committed at some point to, to fielding a defense that, yeah. that wants to stop someone. The offense has never been the problem. But at, at OU, it never sorry, got this I'll bad scored. to close out of the season.
0: How much time do they leave on the clock? That's crazy. How much time do they leave on the clock if Cal just scored, Jerry? Probably 52 seconds. Too long. See, Rod's the same as me. That's too long. I mean, run that thing down to one second and kick the (laughs) field goal. All right, Gerard has a question for us. Uh, Guys, can you guys talk about how Sark can better scheme against other teams coming up, Uh, the defenses that stop the Longhorns, uh, especially the 3-3-5 K-State will use? Sark is, quote, incompetent with that. Rod,
3: your thoughts? Uh, i don't know, incompetent. That's a little strong. Um, it definitely works really well. Uh, it matches up really well against Sark's offense, the three high, three down defense. It does. And he's about to this, – this stretch is really going to be a – it'll be a great test to see if Sark has truly found the antidote to the three high because he's going to face the, all the teams that specialize in it. It's, it's part of their defensive DNA. K State runs it. They major in it. Uh, TCU majors in it. Iowa State popularized it really for uh, most of the Big Twelve conference, and then even for the rest of college football. So the teams that really know how to run a three high, they don't just break it out to break tendency against Sark. And he's also struggled when teams kind of break tendency, just like U of H, right? They broke tendency with the three high, and Texas offense kind of hit a hit a hit a wall in that in that game. I think he's figured out something. I, I went over it in some of our previous live streams and uh, on Football Theory, and I'll go over it on Football Theory again. Obviously, previewing K State. I think he he's figured out something. Essentially, the the theory that I have is that to expose the three high, you have to you have to resort to extremism offensively because the off, the defense is all about distorting your pre-snap read it wants to disguise it disguises better than any defensive presentation right now nobody disguises as well as a 3 high just because it's only been around you know since 2016 in order to force the 3 high to reveal its actual coverage and its front and its pressure packages you have to come out with extreme formations, extreme personnel packages. When you do that, it'll force them out of their shell. It'll force them out of their distortion, their uh, pre snap disguise, and they'll have to get to their alignment and assignment. As Drew talks about, some of our stuff is just, you can just alignment assignment, you can deter a lot of offensive concepts. They'll get to their alignment assignment right away, and then the, the, uh, the quarterback will have a better indicator of what's going on. I'll dive into it, but that's, I think, Sark's on some. I've studied it at NIZIM, you guys know. and the, the, the rabbit hole that I went down told me that Sark's on to something. But we'll see if he's actually solved it. We'll know in three weeks, pretty much.
1: I was wrong. USC, uh, Cal went for two, didn't get it. So USC won 50-49. So they'll only lose five of their final six.
2: They're losing. They lost. They lost, so, they so lost <laughs> mentally. <laughs> to, to to that question. they so I mean,
0: scored, Jerry, what I- –
1: yeah, I got, I was behind on the game cast. USC Cal oh. scored, went for two, didn't get it. And so the USC 150-49. They got the onside kick. Got it. Got it. I got
2: Drew. So no, whether whether it's 3-3-5 three, three, or anything else. The two things you have to make a choice on as a, as a coach are you going to live on putting players into conflict and just or putting defenses into conflict? and making your decision on who you're going to throw it to, regardless that the defense dictate who you're going to get the ball to, or are you going to focus on just getting the ball to certain players? And so as Rod just said, you, if you don't do those extreme formations so they can declare, Mm -hmm. you're not able to put them into conflict.
3: Yep. And if you can't
2: put them into conflict consistently, then you need to just choose players. You have to get the ball to your players. Try to guess, when you can put them into conflict or not, has not worked. Whether it's Sark guessing or Sark relying on the quarterback to consistently sort through who he needs to distribute the ball to. It it applies the same in the red zone. It applies in the same all across the field, the whole hundred yards. Are you putting the defense into conflict? No. Is the defense showing you something that puts them into conflict? No. Well, then pick a player and go with the player. Like, we just need to find the matchups then because that, that's the only way that this works. I think when we get confused is when we think we have a conflict or conflicts sort themselves out in practice or on film, but when we see different looks, we're trying to choose the conflict when it, we're the ones conflicted. I think that's where we get caught up, especially in sometimes in the RPO game. So we just need to make it really simple. Are we choosing the players on these certain plays? Are we going to throw the ball out to Worthy? Are we going to throw the ball underneath to – to to JT Sanders, or do we have very clear declaration of what the defense is doing so that we know our reads are really quick, really simple, and we can they're in conflict and we can make a quick decision. If we can't consistently do that or find situations to do that against 335 or any other defense, uh honestly, that, that, that's where it just gets really complicated for us.
0: All right. Uh hey, here's a here's a uh, um question for you rod and or drew uh major alexander says the acr formation is a great answer to the 335 i'm gonna i'm gonna
3: plead innocent or uh, ignorance here ACR? acr yeah i'm a little ignorant too what's acr somebody knows tell me i'm not sure what the acr major alexander hit us up and let us know what the acr yeah. is i'm Matt, not exactly Matt, our producer aces ace, ace formation is that uh 10 personnel you're talking about just single back formation maybe by the ace formation uh if that's what you mean by ace and let me know major if i'm off here right because some people have different terminologies for stuff uh if that's what you mean by ace then you might be on to something because that's another extreme example right you go extreme um spread sets and then they have to abandon their pre-snap shell disguise and go all right you know we got we got we got four wide on the field or we got you know these guys that's why the empty sets work really well in my opinion because empty sets, you have to get to your alignment assignment. You cannot start messing around with pre-snap shell disguise or shifting right before the snap. Otherwise, you're going to get out of position, and they're going to give a quick hitter. So uh, if you're talking about ace formation from a spread set, uh, then I totally agree with you, Major. You're right on the money there. I totally agree. That's part of it. Get extreme. Even there's, I wanted to say when, um, maybe it was it Oregon that faced Iowa State back in the day. I'm not sure. I got to go check. Like in a bowl game, and they were running a ton of three-by-one sets like a ton of three by one because three by one is extreme, right? You're overloading one side of formation. So they have to show, all right, you know what, are we, are we in cover three? Or are we going to be in cover four? We got to show it here because it's essentially, we're going to leave one man isolated to Drew's point on that single receiver side. And that's where you're going to end up running your isolated matchups. All right. If they're going to leave that guy on an Island. We know the Island. Boom. Easy read for the QB. So if that's where you are going that major, you're right on the money. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You got to get extreme, man. You can't be a moderate against them three highs. You got to get extreme in your personnel, extreme in your formations. Uh,
0: Hey, this one for Buddy Powell, Chief Big Guy. Slovis is lucky to walk out of the stadium. We mentioned that briefly. Yes. Uh, He he literally did take some shots. Texas only got two sacks, but they applied pressure all game long uh, from a number of different positions, too, by the way. It wasn't just one or two, right? Uh, just about everybody got a shot in there at the quarterback. Uh, Jalen Ford probably delivered the biggest hit. Uh, obviously, uh, Justice Finkley caused the turnover. Jade Barron batted down a pat or uh, tipped the ball that Terrence Brooks, uh, 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 that Terrence Brooks intercepted. And then also pressure up the miss middle, I believe, from Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy caused the quick throw over the middle that, that Michael Taft uh, ended up intercepting as well. So I, I feel like, I, I feel like, Pressure on the quarterback was well above average for today. Y'all agree with that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it will be, right? Because Keen Slovis can't move around as much, you know. And I think they they were experimenting with some pressure packages for next week against Will Howard and Avery Johnson, too, because they know you can't just sit, can't sit back and kind of like, let those guys get in the rhythm, too. I think they're going to try to come after whoever's going to be playing quarterback. And by the way, that's nothing to it with, with K State. You got to have two different game plans, essentially, or at least yeah. you got to prep for two quarterbacks. <clears throat> Split your time in terms of your your game, your preparation as a defense.
2: Right. Regardless of what you do, Rod, I, I do think, and you mentioned it last week, we have to be a bit more aggressive in the defensive backfield. Not not so much at the safety position, but definitely at the corner position in the slot. We have to show tight man coverage. We got to show press. We got to show. We got to show more than playing off. Yep. And I, I, I understand having a shell, but a shell is non threatening. Um, playing that catch technique, even if you're not going to bail out, is just it, sometimes you just got to line up with these guys. Terrence Brooks is a dude, man. He's a yes. specimen, regardless of te- just Terrence Brooks and Ryan Ross, Ryan Line them up to press. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, hey,
1: to Drew's point, yeah. that's what Terrence Brooks is. His dad was an NFL DB. I mean, he's 5'11 with a 79 inch wingspan. His strength is pressed. Does he have great makeup speed? No. But what he plays with, his length allows him to be a really good press corner. And his dad trained him for that.
2: If you don't lunge, if you could just stay in front of the receiver, you don't even have to get your hands on him, just distract, get him off of his timing. If that's what I say and you're making game. a quick decision right. that alone puts you in conflict they got to make some decisions if there's something else we got to do if we if if we could show up and do something we haven't done consistently it's let's challenge them to make these throws consistently with press coverage
3: yeah no i will say that and i said this on in-game live watch i did notice and i know aside from the, <laughs> the fourth and the, two The fourth and two, they gave up with the outside leverage. I thought they were playing more inside leverage early on in the game. Go back Mm -hmm. and watch it. Um, Even – and go back and look at Keen Crawford when they try to beat him on that deep out. He's not giving up as much ground. He's playing off. Mm -hmm. But to to what you're talking about, Drew, watch him shuffle out. It's a slow shuffle as opposed to when usually he was kind of – he was getting out of there real quick and giving up Mm -hmm. a lot of ground. Um, So I'm with you. It's like, hey, man, you can run. I mean, you can run with these guys, You're a great athlete. Yeah. Don't don't play out of fear. All right. Trying to give up ground and cushion, be aggressive. All right. And play with an an aggressive attack mentality that you're going to go attack routes. And they're not playing like that all the time. I'm with you. I see it too. It's almost where they're playing at a, on their heels a lot of the time instead of being the aggressor uh, when they're covering these routes. I mean, that's why you, when you cut off drag routes, they don't cut off routes a lot of the times. And I want to see them cut off routes in coverage. Don't let the receiver complete the route. You know, what I mean, finish it for him.
2: When when you give your DBs opportunities to challenge receivers, it builds their confidence. It builds their aggression. It builds their ability to threaten people. You want to put some of that thing on film. Yeah. If we, ha- we if we don't put it on film, and then we then we just literally don't do it. Teams are going to come in prepared to just attack us in that way. If we actually show up on film and do something that. They haven't seen us consistently do, which is use the athletes we we recruit to to go and beat guys. Let's put them in conflict more in that way, where they just don't have a guy who's sitting off, you know, uh, eight yards, even if playing catch. Just turn it. We, we, we got it. We got to figure something out on those edges uh, because I think we're going to need more help inside the tackles with this team next week. We, we are. Uh, we can't have our safeties in conflict. This week, man, we can't.
0: Well, that's what K-State's going to specialize in, uh, to be fair. Hey, before we keep going, we got to several more questions to get here. Uh, you're listening to the Post Game Show brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm Bobby Burton alongside Drew Kelson, Jerry Hamilton, and Rod Babers. Uh, Jerry and I, we work every day for InsideTexas.com. If you don't have a subscription to InsideTexas, you're missing out. It's the best place to find news and information on football, the football team, as well as recruiting right now. We have a special two months uh, for $1. The promo code is OTF 23. That's OTF IT 23. Uh, we appreciate you guys and uh, all that you do uh, for us uh, at inside Texas. Uh, and whenever y'all join, it really helps everybody out. All right. Hey, this is a good question. Uh, this Tech, does K-State put more emphasis on today's film, given a new QB? If so, what will they take away in terms of what Malik did well and what they can expose? I would light him up. He did not handle the blitz well. Well, that that's the thing
1: that I think Kansas State's going to do. They're going to try to make Malik play on the move. That If I was playing against him, that's what I would do. I'd try to make him play on the move. Um, the one thing – Good first start, but I'm the one thing Sark's going to tell him is can't play off our back foot that much. Not as many back foot throws, right? So if you're K State, what are you going to do? You're going to try to get him to play on his back foot. You're going to yep. get him to play on the move on his back foot because you say we have better athletes than K State. We're going to make more plays on the ball. So I think that if I'm Kansas State, I'm I'm going to try to get him playing on the move a little bit because. Malik is a pocket passer. That is what he is. We we don't not try we don't none of us need to try to make him into something he's not. He and we're not that we are. I'm talking about the fan base. Um, he is a pocket passer. What do you do against him? You get in the play on the move. Uh, that that is what I think Kansas State's going to do Saturday.
3: To piggyback on Jerry's point, all pocket passers hate when you get pressure up the middle. Up the middle. Uh, You've you talked about it by the Texas. If you want to look at a vulnerability on that offensive line, it certainly ain't Christian Jones and uh, Kelvin Banks. All right. You're going to be trying to attack those guys, whether it be run, run, uh, you know, whether it be run blocking or pass blocking. That's probably what Texas is most vulnerable is in the interior O-line man, I, I would expect some interior pressure. If they can't get it organically, they might come with some blitzes up the interior. And you're talking about it, uh, Jerry, to flush him out of the pocket. Yes. Also, to get him throwing off his back foot, he sees that pressure, even if it's not directly in his face. Like you said, Jerry, today, we saw him go to that back foot a little bit, even to avoid pressure that wasn't directly in his face, because young quarterbacks are thinking about, if I step up, I step into the pressure. And sometimes that's what you want from a quarterback. Step up, step in, you're going to get hit, of course. <laughs> you're going to hit the step up and today that's a much better throw for you um and it'll be a more accurate throw than throwing off your back foot where that ball lofts on you a little bit that's something i'm going to work on but i totally agree with both you guys i'd bring the pressure up and i'd bring it right up the gut to try to get the in from the pocket also that may deter the rpo mm-hmm. game because that's his best throw it's the rpo game if you can get pressure right up the gut then maybe you can deter that. i think they're going to try to defend the RPOs too to drew's point Usually Sark picks a tag in that RPO. It's a JT tag, or it's A.D. Mitchell, we saw it to say, or it's just, it's X-Man. Now you're gambling because you never know which one's going to be. Gonna, who's going to be tagged in that RPO? But they know that's his best throw. I think they're going to try to stop that early on in games. And usually it's that slot receiver that gets tagged on that RPO. But it could be somebody. It could be on the outside. It could be on the outside, too. They do it differently.
0: But guys, I mean, we, we talk about it, in. Uh, I think we've talked about the game quite a bit. Uh, a really good performance overall from Texas. I thought a team win certainly wasn't, uh, you know. While the defense, I think, was the probably the star of the of the game. Uh, Malik Mur- Murphy played serviceable at the very least. Texas controlled the game. I felt like there was no point where I was really worried about the outcome of the game. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so that that is the good stuff. We're talking a little bit right now about what it, what are the things that Texas needs to do better going forward. Here's a question from Bobby Batronic. Weak in the middle of the line, non-running QB, and we don't trust the QB to throw in the compressed field. What should we do on red zone goal line? Rod,
3: Jerry, Drew, anybody? I, I love the 6-0 line package in the red zone. I've been saying it for weeks. It's my favorite. If you want to chew, because I right with, now- with Bob, though, though, not with- Yes, the Malik Ogba, not the Jumbo package, not the Jumbo, not the Red Cat. Those are separate personnel groupings, in my opinion. I'm talking about just the 6-0 line package, Big 11 or Big 12 with Malik Ogbo in there. I'll go back and even look. I know they scored one of their uh, touchdowns uh, today in the red zone from that 6-0 line package. I will look at exactly what they did but last week, their first two touchdowns from the 6-0 line package. it's just It really works well because I think Sark's torn between, do I want to play bully ball in the red zone? Or do Mm -hmm. I want to be creative and be an offensive genius? Do I want to use my innovation and creativity down here and do some things that are too cute, as Bobby says? Or do I want to play bully ball and just punch him in the mouth? And he's failed at bully ball a lot, actually. Um, And and sometimes he fails at being, you know, innovative and creative down there. The 6-0 line package gives you both. If you want to play bully ball, you can do that because you've got the girth and the power and the mass up front. You've got that advantage. But sometimes Sark, he he gets too compressed. Right. The the field is already compressed and condensed when you're in the red zone. And then Sark likes to play with his formations are are usually pretty compressed, too, from condensed sets. But when you got the six line pack, you still got enough skill players out there to spread them out. All right. And you can go isolate. Like Drew said, one on ones on the outside. Oh, y'all want to stuff everybody in the box, stop the run. Great. Maybe we got one on one on the outside with A.D. Mitchell or X-Man or JT. We'll take it. That's what I would do. Um, But Sark has used it, but not exclusively.
0: Got it. All right. Here. I just think that they've got to do something. And I look, I'm, I'm, I'm up with Bobby. I don't know exactly what you do in those situations. They've got to do something though uh, to get more points on the board. Uh, This is a a different question from Rex St. Charles. Yours was not in a sling. Is this good news? What do y'all take of that? I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't had an AC joint injury before. Is I have that I don't being a sling a good a good sign <laughs> yeah. for Quinn Ewers.
2: I mean, him, at the end of the day, well, you don't play thing. the game in a sling. So if he can't, a good sign is that he'll be back next week. Yeah. Or a good that's sign is he'll be he back.
0: Is it a good sign that the AC joint injury may be healing quicker than 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 maybe some people think?
2: I, I think I that's mean, a week, probably, right, Drew? It's a week to week thing, right? Yeah. Um, if he can't throw the ball, I mean you know, we, we, got to get through next week and I'm not sure he's going to be ready. And, um, yeah, it's,
1: uh, uh, one of our, uh, one of our, uh, commenters, they said it at the end of our, uh, uh, watch with us, they said it again, uh, did the, uh, the, uh, hook him, uh, eyes of Texas with his left hand left uh. hand today after the game. So that guy's really watching. That's a good job, man. Uh, but look, <laughs> I mean, that, that's really good eyes. Um but uh you have safety eyes start your drinking game um <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh look my if if it's really ac joint if that's really what's going on i mean the, the hit he took was ribs he came out of the locker room he had ice on his ribs so what is the real injury i'm not saying anybody's playing games but i'm not the doctor either
3: yeah
0: totally agree uh, guys what about this one uh T D from AD Mitchell with two or Adonai Mitchell with two TDs. Those portal wide receivers better be kicking in the door this offseason. I thought Mitchell played another good game. He, he was uh active in the uh the blocking game as well. I thought his catch and the way he positioned his body at the end of the first half was particularly impressive.
3: Y'all agree with that? Mason that's kind of so what, what he is, right? He makes it look so easy, right? I mean, he makes he his body control and you know catch radius. You know, it it almost he makes it look so easy. It's it's less impressive than it should be because You're
2: you're you're, you're right, Rod. I feel like we need to throw more balls to him when we're thirty yards and in, forty yards and in. Just give him a deep ball because we we can trust him to adjust. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can trust him to catch it down there, uh, even even contested. Uh, he's the guy who I don't know, it's like if he has a chance to put some points up, he's gonna find a way across that that line. Whether that's catching the ball there or he has some he has to run through a couple people to get there. He's he's done a good job getting in the end zone. He's been a yeah. specialist at that he's an
3: NFL receiver. That's what you got. Hey, I,
1: hey, that's when we talk about we talk about recruiting. He was a five-star recruit out of the portal.
3: Yes. Absolutely. Bottom line. That's that's wild. Yeah. Who's a four-star coming out of high school.
1: Who's a five-star coming out of Georgia. Yeah, you're right. No, it's a good point. All
0: right. Uh, Talking to uh, Drew Kelson, Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, This is the uh, On Texas Football post-game show. Thank you guys for for tuning in so far. I got a couple more questions. Uh, Jerry, Rod, uh, Drew, you know, seven and one. This is where Texas hoped to be. They also hope to have their starting quarterback going to Kansas state or coming coming into to Austin against Kansas state. You know, you can't, I mean, and Drew kind of went on a, a rant that I agree with. You have, you have to enjoy the wins no matter, especially a 29 point win, by the way, that mm-hmm. felt like a, an easy day at the, you know, at the ballpark. Uh, we were kind of hyped up a little bit, I think because Malik Murphy was starting the first game he started, but, I mean, again, I just keep coming back to it. it. We're not perfect. Texas is not perfect, but they're a pretty good football team. They're 7-1. and one. They've had one big win, what I would categorize as a big win, over uh, Alabama. The rest have been kind of just okay wins or good wins. Um, y'all's thoughts about Texas as a whole right now going into this K-State game, which I think is going to be, this, if not the toughest, the second or third toughest game they've played so far this year. Could I mean, it could be the toughest. I
3: don't know. I've I've said this multiple times this year. I love the football character of this team. They got good football character. And, and and like you said, it ain't always pretty, and it ain't always supposed to be pretty, but they respond well to adversity, whether that be injuries or you know being down late in games or bad plays, they make mental errors. And you know, they they're flawed. They're a they're they're a flawed team. We can name part two or three of them defense. A couple of them on offense, including the red zone. So they're not a perfect team by any stretch or not even close to it. Um, but I think we can all appreciate that these guys are now pushing the standard back to being a very high standard of Texas. And we know this because they are seven and one team and we're complaining. <laughs> right. This is what this is how you know the standard with a with a backup quarterback in there, as you said. All right. And they covered the spread. And we're still like, you know what, man? I got to tell you, they need to really get better at red zone. They got to be safety. They got to pick it up. And honestly, I know I know it shows we're a spoiled fan base, of course, but it reminds me of my time on the 40 acres, Drew, when we won 11 games and we were considered a disappointment. That's how high the standard was. It's like, man, they won 11 games, but they still didn't get it done because we didn't beat Oklahoma. And we didn't win the big 12. So I agree. It is a little bit unrealistic of us. And it's not very, you know, gracious of this fan base to be, you know, complaining and talking about, you know, what they can get better at after a big win. But it does show you that the standard is now starting to, to rise a little bit. Right. The fan That's base a is more. It's a, it's a great thing. It's a great mm-hmm. thing. So I, yeah, I agree. Drew's, Drew's Drew's rant is worth. it. go back and watch it. It's it's a rant that got me excited too, and he's right. We should feel. We got to enjoy this because we haven't had it a lot. We just that's what's wrong with us, man. We got kind of PTSD. We this is we we are we basically this is trauma bonding for all these long fans. We've been bonded <laughs> by trauma for so long, and, and Drew's right, man. We got to sort of join this, and it's weird to get up on Sunday and you know not be stressed out about Texas football. And I think that's what we do now. We on a we almost things to stress out about because we're so used to it and he's right we are but that's the standard baby the standard is the standard and the standard is you can be 11 you can be an 11 win team like i was twice and still not meet the standard of texas football that's how high it is baby that's and, how high it i is.
1: i think i think this too this is the first year where texas fans it's been a long time since they've had a taste of having a chance to do something yeah yes after you beat alabama the stakes go up as, especially because Alabama's continued to win. I mean, yeah. it hasn't been pretty for Alabama. Well, it's not gonna be pretty for they don't uh-huh. get overwhelmed, you know, but they've continued to win. And then you look around college football. Man, it's a wide open year because the team that appeared to be the best now has the FBI, local police, and (laughs) NCA looking for for office space. Okay, and they're about to start handing out show causes to anybody wearing Michigan coaching shirts. Okay, so the team that's the favorite—I don't know if they're actually going to be eligible. They're going to win. What now? There's Georgia, who look—I talked to somebody close to that program, and they—we're sleepwalking this year. We're going to get beat at Tennessee. That's what they're thinking, and they have the most talented team, team in the country. So it's pretty a wide-open year, and I think all that put together um, – but then when you lose, lose the OU, the way you lost to OU, that puts the uh, – that that creates four weeks of negativity. So, uh, you know, it's – it's. but this week, it, it, so much is on the line uh, for, for Texas because you have one Big 12 loss. Chances of you getting in with two if you lose this game in the Big 12 championship
0: game, I don't know if it happens. I completely agree. I want to end it uh, with one more guy. We talked about Jabon Tapp. Uh, we talked about Maurice Blackwell making a play when he had the op- or when he got the opportunity, uh, Justice Finkley. One last guy, Jaden Blue and Ke. Uh, we mentioned Keelan Robinson earlier. Yeah. Jaden Blue with the touchdown run. He looked like he exploded off that left side. He looked like he had a little giddy up. That that may be the best running the best run I've seen from him. Uh, as a Longhorn. So I, I want to give a, a little uh, hat tip to, to Jaden Blue before he called it a, a night here, guys. Um, any final thoughts for you uh, three? Drew, I'll start with you.
2: I think, and Bobby, you and Jerry know this, uh, but I guess Rod and I have lived it. I think people don't realize, and I, what I want people to realize is there are no perfect games, even games when we're blowouts. My, my, my biggest butt chewings um, came on games where we were all celebrating. You know, you, you win 40 to 15. Hey, yeah. Great. Go to the film room and it's murder. (laughs) You know, (laughs) these guys, regardless of, and this is every single week, tomorrow, tonight you watching film, you waking up, you getting your body back together, you getting your body back. refreshed. You're recovering. You're watching film. You're mentally dialing in to what you need to clean up. You're mentally dialing into the new game plan. You're mentally preparing for the physical practices that come up to prepare next mm-hmm. week. You're, you, there's a process to this, and there's not a single week and not a single game that this team goes into it believing we're gonna suck in the red zone. Yeah, <laughs> <We're not laughs> third down, and down. That's true. We're we're gonna we're gonna lay an egg. Against K-State at home, I'm telling you, these guys want it. They're working their tails off. They're preparing to win. They're preparing for this game. If you think you know how stressed you should be about K-State, these guys know too. Sark knows too. And we don't know how the game's going to play out, but I trust everybody knows who's coming to town. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know, then I may need to drive down and let them know who's coming to town. (laughs) We need to get a win next week against
1: haystay, guys. Jerry, what are your final thoughts before I go to Rod? You know, today, no injuries uh, that should keep guys out. I-, I thought that was after last week. That was a real positive this week, winning the game. I mean, think about what happened last week. Quinn's done for a while. Ethan Burke, done. Uh, he won't be back next week, I don't think. It, it could be the week after that. Jalen Catalan's still out, who arguably is your second most talented defensive player. So – Look, think about those three guys that didn't play today. Now, where Texas needs Catalan. I hope Catalan gets back. I I really think they need him this week. They definitely are going to need him for those two road games. I'm hoping Catalan can get back um, because I do think he's another uh, – I think he's a factor defensively that Texas needs, even if it's on a limited pitch count. He's a
0: turnover creator. I agree. Uh, what about you, Rod? Your final thoughts?
3: Uh, final thoughts. Remember Sartre earlier this week talked about how he likes the culture of this team, like the overall culture of the football team. Um, I think he's right on the money there. I mean, that's why you can have a, a backup quarterback going there. As Drew talked about, you know, the players are excited. There's a, there's a, an optimism, anticipation uh, about his upside and what he's capable of. You know, that's what's really, in my opinion, allowing this team to stay, uh, you know, committed and stay focused is they got the culture is legit right now. The culture is paying off for them, and that shows a lot of guys that are that, that are coming there and played. And yeah, there could be a huge drop-off, but it haven't been a, a ton of drop-off there because you know the, the, the culture around there is really positive. The comp- the competitive level is really high around there. You can tell. So I'll give Sark a lot of credit for that. Uh, usually there's a lot of dread and pessimism, anxiety surrounding a backup quarterback playing. Even after he made some mistakes in the game, still seems like the tone around him and around the team is really positive uh, that this team still has all of its goals in front of it. I think they're really impressive, man. It's an impressive group, and what they've done is really impressive. But tomorrow – I mean, sorry, next week, next game, it's going to be a hell of a test. K-State's playing their best football. They get better every week. They get better every week. And I haven't been able to say that about Texas. Texas is a, is a top 10 football team easily, but I'm not sure they've gotten better every week. K State seems to have actually gotten better week to week in the schedule.
0: Yeah. My, my final thought is this, guys um, Longhorns, seven and one. Uh, they've gotten here in a number of different ways. Sometimes early season, I felt like the defense was carrying the Texas team. Uh, the Wyoming game, for example, today. Uh, is another example now. Uh there are other times where I thought the offense carried it. So to Rod's point, I don't think it's any I don't think it's one-sided right now. I also don't think either side is perfect. There are issues in the secondary right now with Texas and in coverage, there's issues in the red zone for the offense, okay? But to to Drew's point, there are there every team in the country has something they're worried about one or two things. The one thing Texas fans shouldn't be worried about is the record is seven and one. Mm -hmm. And and it's hard for me to believe that, that I watched that BYU team and think about it. They were two and two in conference play coming in today. Two and two Texas just beat them 35 to six tech. Texas tech lost to this team last week. I mean, lost to them. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes we can be harsh critics
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and need to, uh, to Drew's point earlier, take, take the wins with the wins and get going. Uh, but at the same time, we got to put it in perspective of others. That's my piece. And Drew is laughing about something. What are you laughing about, Drew? I got to ask.
2: I, I just realized Sam Houston state is zero and seven. Yeah. And uh, BYU beat them 14, zero. So. <laughs> and BYU did, BYU did not have – BYU has improved over the season, too. Hey, BYU didn't have 300 yards
1: of offense against Sam Houston, by the way. So, by the way, so Texas did their job. BYU now has under 300 yards in four straight games of Power 5 football offensively, which is a crazy
0: number to me. One last thing, and this I agree with this. Xavier Worthy was the guy who stepped up. Taffy, too. Xavier Worthy, hats off to you. With, I think that was probably the play of the game if you want to get down to it. It started Texas off uh, the right way, uh, kind of an electric return, shook the first guy, got a couple of good blocks, and really took it to the house. All right, that's going to do it for tonight uh, for the post-game show uh, here on On Texas Football. Uh, we're sponsored by Flight, the next generation of uh, light beer from Yingling. Uh, like and subscribe this video for more of the best Longhorns coverage. Uh, if you subscribe, you get a little a uh, uh, bell rings that so you'll know, or a notification so that you'll know when the next uh, – the next uh, On Texas Football production comes out. So for Rod, for Drew, for Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, Longhorns, 7-1. and one. Join us on Inside Texas for more news and notes after the show. Have a good one, guys. Hook them. Hook em.